Psalm 65 and verse 2. To you who answers prayer, you shall all flesh come. Oh, you who answers prayer, to you shall all flesh come. Oh, thou that hearest prayer, unto thee shall all flesh come. Now, the writer of this verse was trying to throw light on the fact that there are gods, there are certain gods that don't hear prayer, not to talk of even answering it. You know, when we talk of prayer, we are talking of supplication. We are talking of communication. There are many gods that when you talk to them, they can't talk back. Even human beings who we can see, they can move and everything. There are some that you talk to them and it takes 70 years for them to talk back. You know, and many girls are beautiful until they talk, you see. They are very nice. When they talk, you see that Charlie, nothing. You know, many times you don't find people talking back when you talk. And um, this person was trying to say that he has tried this particular deity and has found out that he is able to answer prayer. And his recommendation is that all flesh should come to that one. Amazing. And when we talk of prayer, you know, prayer is one of the most important, if not the most important tool we have when it comes to warfare. And prayer is more than just staying in one place and talking, as we will see. Prayer is the only way, the only channel by which a believer is built up in a certain way. You see, the primary tool of building up of the believer is the word of God. Anything and everything you do should be based on the word of God. Your hairstyles, your choice of clothing, your choice of a life partner, your choice of food even should be based on the word of God. And you find that everything is there. There's everything there. All your desires are captured in there. All your favorites are captured in there. All the things you should be hating are also captured in there. And so the word of God should be the most basic and most fundamental tool that every believer should have. If you don't have the word of God and if you don't understand it, you are, no, you are going nowhere as a believer. You are going absolutely nowhere. If you are empty on the word of God, then half of your life is gone as a believer. In fact, your whole life is meaningless. For you to be grounded in the word is for you to have an advantage. You see, in this kingdom, your immunity and your growth is solely dependent on how much knowledge you have and how much knowledge of the word of God you have. If you do not know enough of the word of God, you are, you are very prone to attacks. And if any attack comes at you now, you will not know what to do. Amen. The word of God is light. And light dispels darkness. All the darkness that we are trying to dispel, their solutions and their responses and their answers are in the word of God. Because we will not open it, for us to even check what is in there, we struggle a lot. And we struggle with things that have been defeated already. 
it is true that we are wrestling against flesh. We are not wrestling against flesh. We are wrestling against principalities and all of those things. But each of those things that were listed, the principalities, rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness, they have been defeated already. But now the thing is you have to enforce the victory with particular principles, particular principles. One of our favorite scriptures is the scripture which says that according as his divine power has given us all that we need for life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who has called us, knowledge is the key thing. Today when I was coming, I, um, one of the reasons why I was late is that I go to Accra at 5.43 and in my head it should take even if it takes 30 minutes for me to get here, from Alam Junction to here, it can take 30 minutes. But even if it does take 30 minutes, I should be here somewhere around 15, you see, somewhere around 6.15. The guy that I picked, the first one, he said he doesn't know where Malam Junction is. Amazing. So he wasted 25 minutes of my time. Then I had to order another boat, and then that one it took about 5 to 7 minutes for him to get there. And the, the lesson, so you should be learning things. Though. Don't, when you are quick-tempered, it's a sign that you don't like learning. You know, you, you don't have to, you don't want to learn anything from everything. Anything you want to, you know, react. When you do that, it clutches your mind. One of the things I learned this evening is that there's a thin line between being patient and wasting your time. It looks the same. It looks exactly the same. When the first guy called me, he assured me, I'm coming. And I was standing there and I was waiting. I called him again and he said, oh, you know, I don't really know the area. You know. And I was, in my head, I'm being patient with him. And in the end, he, was, he went, you see, you can track the taxi where it is. The person was moving towards Odokwok. So I just canceled it and requested again. But this was after 25 minutes. Many times you are expecting results. And we are talking about fruitfulness, is that not it? Many times we are expecting results from God or from his word. But we are wasting our time. We think we are being patient. We have not employed the right principles because we don't know them. And we are using one response for everything. And we think that the thing not arriving on time is... God is about to blow. You are wasting your time. God is not doing no narrow. You have to find the right principle and apply it. And one of the reasons why we don't get answers to our prayer is because we are not praying right. And you are being patient for nothing. Patient, if you are wasting your time, you are not being patient. Now, the difference between being patient and wasting your time is that when you are being patient, you have placed an order. You are sure it is coming and you are waiting. That is being patient. When you are wasting your time, you are not sure. You have placed an order all right, but you are not sure whether or not it's coming. You are hoping that it will come. Many times, we don't even attempt to pray when it comes to certain situations because we ourselves, we know it doesn't work. It won't work. We don't even attempt it. I mean, how many of you have had the audacity to move towards a madman and say, in the name of Jesus Christ, come out? You see, it, it, the vim is not there because you know it won't work. And one of the most boring and the most laborious meetings you can have in a church is prayer meetings. 
It has the least attendance. Because you see, human beings are not stupid. When you are doing something and it's not working, you now you will know that it's not working. And you will not put much effort in it. Or you don't understand what I'm saying. So for you to know how prayer goes, for you to know how it works, for you to know what it is and what it's not, it will save you a whole lot of time. And you will know exactly what situation you should pray about and what situation you should not pray about. And as, even as you prayed, you will know how to get a response. Because the Bible says God answers prayers. How is it that you've been praying about the same thing for so long? The Bible says, looking unto Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of our faith. How long did it take Jesus for every, each prayer request he made? How long did it take him to receive an answer? Instant! 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 At even one point in John 11, he said that, I don't even need to pray, but Father, for the sake of the guys here, let me just say this out loud so that they will hear before he said Lazarus come out and he was about to do one of the most spectacular things in history to raise somebody who has been dead for four good days and he said he, that he didn't even need to pray about it amazing so what exactly did he know what exactly did he know about prayer let's go to Luke 11 then we go to Matthew 6 Luke 11 verse 1 the Bible says that and so Jesus was at a certain place praying and when he sees, when he stopped, he, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples because they had compared their results to Jesus' results and they had come to a conclusion that there is something about Jesus' prayer which brings results that their own prayer doesn't bring. And so they said, teach us to pray. One of the greatest signs of humility you would ever have is to humble yourself and go to someone who does better than you and say, teach me. It's not a sign of foolishness. And if you are too big or too high to be taught, then you are too big or too high to grow. You will die and you will perish in you, that's your state. It is pride for you to not want to learn because the person that has the knowledge that you are looking for is not somebody you like. You are being stupid. When the person who has the knowledge that you are looking for doesn't look like somebody who is very likely. You know, many times you find people suffering and they are in situations that are not very desirable. And the person who can help them out is the very person they've blacklisted. Is the very person they've shut out. Is the very person that they've drawn certain opinions and certain conclusions about. I mean, how would you feel if you had to do something, you needed a certain answer, and your ex is the one with the, your ex-boyfriend or your ex-girlfriend is the one who has the solution? Yes, you would rather, some many people would say, Charlie, I'd rather die. <laughs> I'd rather die than ask this girl or I'll ask this boy. And that is how many people go to their grave, early grave, unnecessarily to teach us to pray. Now you will have to have the heart and the mind to understand that everything can be learned and taught. Everything. And if you don't know it, ask. We have said it here and I'll say it again. Asking is not a sign of disloyalty. When you ask questions a lot, it doesn't mean you are disloyal. 
or that you, you talk too much. It's a sign of intelligence, actually. Because if you don't ask questions and you don't have the requisite knowledge, you cannot move far. You can't. You are better off asking questions. So the disciples came and they said, teach us to pray. As John taught his disciples. One day the disciples brought a guy who was epileptic to Jesus. Actually, the boy's father brought him and said, I took him to your disciples and they couldn't cast the thing out. And Jesus showed them a trick. He said, this one, you add fasting to it. This kind goeth not out except by fasting with prayer. So, let's learn how to pray. Lest we find prayer laborious. How many enjoy praying for hours? Not many. Not many. When was the last time anyone here prayed for one hour? No, let's, let's start from five hours. Five hours. Five hours. You've been able to pray. Ah, five hours. Raise your hand. Non-stop. Non-stop. Without your phone. Without your, you know, without even music. Or any kind of encouragement. Five hours. How many have spoken to their beloved for five hours before? Hands up. Hands up. Four hours. Prayer. Four hours. Wow. Three hours. Continuous. Nice. We have two. Three hours. Three hours. How about talking to your beloved for three hours? How many have pulled that off yet? Or you've talked you've talk to anybody, a friend, whatever, for three hours. Sorry? You have three hours. Last week, I spoke to Purix for three hours. Where is Purix? We spoke for three hours. I should see his, he, both hands and feet should be in the air. He and I spoke for three hours last week on, on Friday. Two hours, prayer. Non-stop. You see, I, I don't even have the vim to continue again. I mean, so many of us have not prayed for long at all. It's not possible for you to go to an akazu and not pray for five hours. It's something we do. We do is 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 cake for us. We call it the minimum is seven hours. That's the minimum. When you go to an akazu, the, the least you should be able to pray continuously is seven hours. From seven in the morning to two in the afternoon, you should be able to stand and do kabaya 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 for seven hours. Now Purix is coming. Amazing. So the reason why you are not able to enjoy it is because you know it doesn't work. You know it. You know it. You know it doesn't work. And the reason why you think it doesn't work, the reason why you've come to that conclusion is because you don't know how to do it. So let's go to Jesus and let's let him teach us how to pray. Are you with me? Let's get into that. In Matthew 6, let's start from verse 5. Now, this is Jesus talking about prayer. One of the most erroneous statements I've heard is that you learn how to pray by praying. I think it's a very, let me, let me be nice, it's a very wrong statement. It's wrong. You don't learn to pray by praying. You don't learn to cook by cooking because you will cook something. And very recently, I've been paying attention, close attention to my cooking skills because I hear it's a plus for a, a guy. If two guys are, you know, trying to get a girl and we are all, 
evenly matched. One of the separating factors could be cooking. Yes. So, of late, I've been paying attention to my culinary skills. And I, I found out that the time, you see, when you're making stew, you put the oil. Look, if you laugh, half of your life is gone. <laughs> you put the oil, and then you put, Michael, do you want to, do you want to say the next thing you put? <laughs> yeah, okay. You don't want to. You know, one of, there's a certain person here whose name begins with J. I hear he can't even boil an egg. He can't. What? No, I, can't, I don't want to say it. He can't even boil an egg to save his own life. The last time he attempted frying egg, he almost bent out the whole house. Amazing. So when you put the oil, you put the onions, then your blended um, uh, pepper, garlic, ginger, whatever it is. Then you give it a stir for some time. I even heard that which one you put in first can change the whole taste. So, for instance, if you put the blended pepper and, and onions and other things first, before you add the onions, it, it can change the whole thing. You, you might, ah, but is it not all going into the soup? Yes, it's all going inside, but you, you've switched the order, so it will change the whole thing. When is it not true? Yes. <laughs> and so you don't learn to cook by you, you, you may learn it but you, to take you too long you are better off being taught by somebody who knows how to cook like Emerald or someone Nessa you know, you know, let them teach you it, you learn it quicker and faster so it is better for you to learn how to pray otherwise you wear yourself out and the results you'll be getting you will not like it so Jesus is here diagnosing why prayers don't work Please write it down. This one, you need to write it down and test it out. Anything you learn, test it to see whether it is true. This is Jesus teaching on prayer. And he says, this is why prayers don't work. Number one, you will think that Jesus is going to say that demons or devils or whatever. But look at it. By you, when you pray, don't be as the hypocrites. First block to prayer, hypocrisy. That's the number one block to prayer. How do these hypocrites behave? They love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. First block to prayer, hypocrisy. What is hypocrisy? Not having pure motives. Why are you praying? That's the first reason why your prayer won't work. And if you are only praying so that we will say that, oh, you are a good Christian, so you've prayed. That's it. Did you hear the sound that was coming out of the room? Four hours old. Guy, that's your reward. Your reward is the praises of men. That's where it ends. Finish. You will not get anything else again. What kind of motive are you holding? When you go to pray, what mind are you sending to the prayer place? Number one is hypocrisy. You see, Another thing that fuels hypocrisy is self-awareness. When you are too aware of yourself, the Bible says that he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High. So we know, you see, look at the next verse. Next verse. Let's go back to the Matthew 6. Look at the next verse. 
But you, when you pray, instead of the other one, do this. Enter into your closet. And when you have shut your door, pray to your father which is in secret. And your father which is in secret will reward you openly. Now, this doesn't mean that every time you pray, go into your room and lock it. That's not what Jesus is trying to mean here. What he's trying to say is, you see, when you take this approach, it sort of purifies your mindset. It sort of purifies your motive. When you are alone in the room, look, let me, let me be honest with you. My favorite way to look when I'm praying is naked, stuck naked. Most times I pray stuck naked or I'll be in boxes. I can't do that when I'm, when I'm praying in the open. Or you don't understand what I'm saying. So when you are in the, what Jesus is trying to say is that when you are alone, that whole temptation and possibility of pleasing someone else is eliminated. And so if you are able to master that thing in your mind, that I am not looking at anyone, I am not trying to impress anyone, I'm not trying to do anything to anyone's satisfaction, then you have eliminated half of the blocks. That is what we call the secret place. The secret place is the mindset that it is I and God alone. So you can carry that mindset to a public place like this and be praying. Do you understand what I'm saying? So the secret place is the, it's a, it's a, it's a way of thinking. And what is that way of thinking? That it is God and I alone. 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 This is the reason why we can't lift our hands. This is the reason why. You know, sometimes you want to lie on the floor and worship, but you can't because you are so aware that Eladate is looking at you and she's probably your crush. You might lose her by the end of the service. The reason why you can't pray well is because you have too much on your mind. Look, one of the things that God hates is looking as if you like him, but actually liking someone else. He hates it. You know, he has talked about lukewarmness and how, how much, and you can see his reaction throughout the Bible to things like that. It's very extreme, extreme, extreme death. So don't tempt God. Don't push him. Because God is not God. Is there anybody you've seen at the top position? They didn't get there by being nice only. You understand what I'm saying? One of the mistakes you will make is to think that you are outsmarting God. If you won't do it, don't do it. But don't pretend as if you are doing it when you are not doing it. Amen. So the first block to prayer is what? Hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. And what is hypocrisy? Impure motives. Now, James 4 says that when you pray, you don't receive. I think it's James 2 instead. He said, when you pray, you don't receive. Why? Because you are praying so that you consume it on your last motives. 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 Make sure your motive is clear. Make sure your motive is clear. You know, when you are very pained, when you are very pained, when something pains you, you realize that you don't speak in a, in a language that you learned. You mostly speak in your mother tongue. When something is scratching you and it's really, really 
It's paining you. you. You begin to speak vernacular. Jesus Christ said, Eli, Eli, Lama. Look, at that point, he had no time for, you know, all these, you know, other languages that he had learned. He was speaking his mother tongue at that time. God is into bareness. God is into nakedness. Look, when he made Adam and Eve, the Bible says that they were both naked and they were not ashamed. No secrets. And the reason why he doesn't want any secrets is not because he doesn't know or if you don't tell him, he wouldn't know. It is a test of your purity. Blessed are the pure in heart. They shall see God. You can't see God because there are too many blocks in the way. Your motives are not pure. You are praying so that you feel good that you are a Christian and you are praying. Why are you even praying for so long? Why? Why? So you see, now, all of a sudden, the reason why your prayers are not working is coming. Next verse. Verse 7. When you pray, use not vain repetitions. Block number 2. Vain repetitions. But it's not just vain repetitions. Watch it. It says, as the heathen do. As... So it's a vain repetitions in a certain similitude, like the way that the heathen do this. In the days of Jesus, when he was talking about this thing, there were people that used to use magic books to pray. There are even now, there are people that think that when they copy Papa's prayer and they say certain things in a certain way, God will hear. I'm serious. And many times we even do it without realizing We, we tend to copy other people's style. <laughs> There's a certain window that has come in my head, but I won't use it. It's too, it's too some way. It might cause, we will not finish explaining this one. There, one, one, there was this video, right, of certain Asians. I won't say which Asians they, they are. There was a guy there with a tumor. It, the tumor, I think, was on his face around his neck area. You, you could see it. And doctors, medical doctors, surrounded the guy. And they started chanting. They are, they are also, you know, spiritual people. So they started chanting something. And they started chanting it very fast, very fast, very fast. And right in the video, you can see the thing going down, going down, and it disappeared. And sometimes we think that when you see a pastor saying something, using certain words, and then it, it works. You too can use those same words and it will work. By divine authority. Look, look, be serious. It doesn't work like that. God doesn't listen to what you say. There are many people also who have pegged their mind. Their mind is pegged at volume. If they don't scream, they can't pray. If they don't whisper, they can't pray. Their mind is pegged at volume, sound, how it sounds like. And Jesus said, this is the second block. You see, again, we are dealing with the mind, motives. Most of the reason why your prayer is not answered is in your mind. It's in your mind. Look at it. When you pray, don't use vain repetition, meaningless words. And again, people have taken this thing to say that, oh, Jesus was trying to say that don't repeat your prayer. It's not true. It's not true. Because in Matthew 28, I believe, Jesus, the Bible says Jesus went to pray three times using the same words. You went, came back, same words, went, came back. Said three times. 
So he's not saying don't repeat the prayer. What he's trying to say is don't repeat the prayer thinking that by your repetition you will be heard. Don't repeat it with the mindset that as I repeat it, as I keep saying it, God will hear us. Remember Elijah and the prophets of Baal at Mount Carmel. He said, scream. In fact, maybe your, your God is asleep. Just shout. Maybe he will hear you. And sometimes that's what we think. I have a certain friend, right, who was telling me about a certain woman in her neighborhood. And this woman is a relative of hers. And all the time at dawn, you hear her say, le, 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 I mean, shouting, you know, charismatic person shouting. And one day her husband, <laughs> her husband complained that, baby, please, Dr. Baby or Professor Baby, whatever baby it was, when I'm sleeping, please try not to do that thing. Or if you would like to do it, go far away, you go to the hall or something. This woman got angry that the, the husband is a wizard. <laughs> yes, because he said that the husband doesn't, and many of us are like that. Don't make your Christianity inconvenience people. You live in a residential area or maybe you live in a compound house. You want to pray and you are shouting. You are shouting. And when the neighbors complain, you say, they are not on God. Because you think that volume is part of the prayer package. It's not. It's not. And Jesus said, you, you see, it sounds very mundane. You see, it doesn't sound very important. But, but that is it. Don't peg your mind at volume, thinking that, oh, if I say it softly or if I say it loudly, let your motives be pure. Amen. We are moving. How many points do you have? Hmm. Look, the, the Bible is not a magic book. The Bible is not a magic book. Even the name of Jesus is not a magic word. Haven't you seen people who have said in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, and they've died? The name belongs to a person. The other people called Jesus. There's Gabriel Jesus. There's Jesus Navas. Who? Jesus Velasquez is also there. There are plenty of Jesuses. Now, when you say in the name of Jesus, is it in the name of Jesus Navas or which Jesus are you talking about? You can even add Jesus of Nazareth. There was more than one Jesus who came from Nazareth. In case you didn't know. God is more interested in understanding. Knowing the person. Knowing the person behind the name makes all the difference. If you don't spend your time knowing Jesus, you will waste a lot of your prayer time. You will pray in the name of Jesus and you will still die. Why? Because you are not interested in the person. You think it's a magic word. Ephesians 6 verse 18 says that pray with all prayers and supplication in the spirit. Many of the reasons why, that one of the main reasons why our prayers don't work is because it's in the flesh. We react. If you speak in tongues in reaction to fear, your tongues will not work. You are wasting your time. Anything that you do in the flesh will not profit you. The Bible says if you sow it, to sow in the flesh, it is death. It's unprofitable. When you sow in the flesh, it doesn't profit you much. 
you will reap death. You will reap unfortunate situations. So when you come and you repeat tongues and you repeat scriptures, it doesn't mean much. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. You'll be saying in the name of Jesus and you will die. If God hasn't spoken to you, one day, there's this very strange thing. Eh? Ben Hinn. Ben Hinn. You know Ben Hinn. Ben Hinn is a very strange man. He heals almost everything and anything. Ben Hinn went to visit one of his friends, a woman who had cancer. And the woman had refused chemotherapy. She had refused all sorts of drugs. She said, God will heal her. And Ben Hinn told her, you will die. You will die. If you don't take the drugs, you will die. And she said, no. God has, is in the promises, it's in the Bible. And Ben Hinn told her something very shocking. He said that the fact that it is in the Bible doesn't mean it is addressed to you. Because until the word becomes flesh, until the word becomes life to you, it will never work. It will never work. Until the word, the word comes alive to you. you are, all you are doing is in the flesh. Quoting scriptures and doing things doesn't mean you are spiritual. Quoting scriptures and doing things, it doesn't mean you are spiritual. God doesn't respond to the flesh. He's a spirit. And the Bible says those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And so even the prayers must be done in spirit. Ephesians 6, 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Not in the flesh. What do we mean by in the flesh? What is necessitating your prayer? Psalm 80 verse 18, quicken us and we will call on you. Quicken us and we'll call on you. Songs of Solomon chapter 1 verse 4. Draw us out and we'll chase after you. If you do not know God and if God hasn't come to you, you cannot go to him. Why are you praying? Why are you even praying about what you are praying? There are many things that you don't pray about. If God is not real to you, look at it. Draw me and run after you. Psalm 80 verse 18. Quicken us and we'll call on you. Make us alive and we'll call on you. Even your prayer, the words that you are using in your prayer should be inspired by the Spirit. Otherwise, you are finished. You see, as we keep going, we will, we will enter into how to get into the Spirit. We will enter into how to be in the Spirit. To maximize your prayer is to be in a Spirit. You see, when you are in a Spirit, you don't talk a lot. You don't say much. One day, Benihin went to a certain pastor in Dallas. He too, I won't mention his name. A very big pastor. If I mention his name now, you know who it is. This man had um, pancreatic cancer. Is it, pancre is it prostate? Is it prostate cancer. Prostate. Prostate cancer. And this man said his wife doesn't know, his church doesn't know. So Benihin should come and pray for him. But when Benihin comes, he should, in fact, he's going to announce a thing like, Miracle crusade, you know, Ben Hinn is coming. But actually, you no, know, Ben Hinn is coming for only him to come and pray for him. Because he's dying and his wife doesn't know, his church doesn't know, no one knows. If Ben Hinn doesn't pray for him, Ben Hinn said, why not, I'll come. You see, for you to be that audacious, to say, oh, why not, I'll come. He, his leg is on something, he knows something that we don't. Why is he so sure that he can heal the cancer? Why? What, <laughs> I don't, what makes him so... So bold to say, ah, I'll come. So Benin went. 
And the pastor was standing there. He started preaching, started teaching, started doing healings. And the, he said the man was just standing there looking at him like, hey, I mean, what is all this? Ben Hinn said anytime he tried to go near the man of God to pray for him, the Holy Spirit told him, no, don't touch him. You see, you are not led by the Spirit. You think everything is something you can lay hands on. You think everything is something you should pray about. That is one I'm trying to tell you that not being in the Spirit is too dangerous. It will make you look like a fool. You will pray and you will pray and you will pray and you will pray. Who has asked you to pray? Who has asked you to pray? So now you say that hearing from God and letting him put words in your mouth is one of the, it, it solves the thing. Why are you talking so? Why are you using repeating, repeating, repeating? And you think by your repetition, God will hear you. Oh, let's be serious. So Ben Hinn was, he prayed for everybody, did everything, did altar call. And all the time when you attempt going to the man of God, God said, no, don't, don't touch him. I've, uh, do not touch him. And the statement that the Holy Spirit made was, he's, I'm not real to him yet. I'm not real to him yet. So it got to a point it got to a point, Ben Hinn was uh, praying, he finished the altar call, the whole service was over. He hasn't prayed for the guy. And when he turned, I mean, he was even feeling sorry for him. When he turned, the man was on the floor, he was crying, he's like, hey, I'm finished. Then the Holy Spirit told him, now, go to him. I'm now real to him, go to him. And he said, before he could even get there, he saw the spirit of cancer go away. He, lay, he, lay, he didn't even lay his hands on him. Many times, listening to God's voice alone will give you the words, will give you the reason, will give you the boldness. It is not about your much speaking. For they think they will be heard for their much speaking. Back to Matthew 6, please. Back to Matthew 6. Where we were before. Matthew 6. Yes. For they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. It is not by your much speaking. Or do you understand what I'm saying here to see? Make sure that you are in the spirit before you pray. And as we move on, you would see that we do not even know how to pray. The, the Bible said that the spirit of God prays through us. He makes intercessions for us with groanings which we cannot utter. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's move. You know, one of the very shocking things that Jesus said, that's almost disannounced the need for prayer, is verse 8. Look at verse 8. Don't be like them. Why? Because your heavenly father knows what things you have need of before you even ask. So then why are we praying? Why are we here? So very, very clearly now, you see that prayer is not for asking things. You can see there. Immediately you, you see that, no, it's not... When God says you should pray, it has nothing to do with asking things. Let me end with this one. See, there are many things that we see and experience. That it's, it's, it's love. There are things that we experience that is something, but we think it's another thing. Like, for instance, when we're children, we'll be beaten by our parents. And we'll say, that, no, this is not my real mother. It's, it, you are not, you can't be my real mother. And sometimes we even go and pack our things and say, we are leaving the house. We won't be back 
anymore. We can't stand for such rubbish. I remember one time my mother beat me with slippers. And that day I realized I was an orphan. Because it can't be that my, my real mother will beat me like this. Hey, you see the, the prints of the slippers were on my back. And I was naked too. But why do you do that? Why do you do that? A young boy who is coming, you want to kill me. You want to destroy my career. They will beat me for not learning. Anyone who come and you, they are beating me for not learning, and you will think I'm going to steal. Hey! And you see, you are eating and you are crying. You are learning and you are crying. It's like crying goes with everything. Crying goes with bathing. It goes with praying. It, go, it goes with everything. But today, you see, I look back and I, I want to bless them for doing those things. It was love, but it didn't look like love, you see. Because many times, the way it comes off, you know, it doesn't, we think love is something. We have, we, in our minds, we, we, we have programmed love to look like something. And I want to present to you one of the greatest love statements that God has ever made. First Thessalonians 5.17. I think, to me, this is one of the greatest things that God has ever said. To me, this is one of the most loving things he has said yet. Pray without ceasing. Let me explain something to you. There are three realms. Earth realm. Demonic realm. Heavenly realm. Three. Will you remember? Earth, demonic, and heavenly. Three. Now, these three are arranged such that the F is at the receiving end of everything. So it's basically divided into two. The spiritual realm and the physical realm. The physical realm is the earth realm. The physical realm is always at the receiving end because Hebrews 11 verse 3 says that things that do appear were made from things that do not. Have you seen that scripture before? The things that we see were made from things that we do not see. So all the time the spiritual controls the physical. So the physical realm is at the receiving end over there. Then the spiritual realm is divided into two, the demonic and the heavenly. The spiritual realm has every kind of um, influence over the physical realm. So the demonic realm can influence the physical realm. The heavenly realm can also influence the physical realm. But the spiritual realm, no, they are bosses and masters. The heavenly realm is above the demonic realm. So even though the demonic realm can influence the, the physical realm, the heavenly realm can superimpose and cancel out what the demonic realm has. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so, when God says, you see, so you, you can dream, right? And you can see something. God, God has, okay, if I don't explain it to you like this, you may not understand. I, I, I'm coming, okay? The human being is made up of three parts. Spirit, soul, and body. You are first of all a spirit. That is who God is. And we were made in his image. God is spirit. Is that not it? So those who worship must say, God is first a spirit. So we are first of all spirits. But the law of territory is a spiritual law. It says that you cannot live and operate in a territory or a realm unless you occupy a vessel that is made of components of that realm. Will you remember? I don't think you will, but it's okay. So, for you to be able to work and operate freely on the earth realm, the thing, the vessel that you are inside must be made of things that come from the earth realm. 
And if we dive into creation, you realize that the earth, this body, the, the Bible says it was made from earth, right? And every single element that is in the earth, you'll find it in a human body. Lead is there, copper is there, aluminum is there, all of it is there in various quantities. Various quantities. Leave that aside. So, fishes were made from things that you find, so that's where they live. Human beings are made from air, so this is where we are. We cannot live permanently in water because our bodies don't support that kind of thing. So, you are first of all a spirit. And the body is made from things that are from here. But there's a disparity because it is like something very high and something very low that have come together. So, for the body to be able to function in this earth as something that contains a spirit, God made a bridge that will sort of um, link the body to the spirit. And he called that thing a mind, what we call a soul. So your soul is made up of your will, your intellect, and your emotions. And it's a recording of every decision you've ever made, every feeling you've ever had. The thing that will be judged is your soul. When you die, your spirit goes back to God, which is the giver. The body goes back to the earth where it was taken from. Your soul is a recording and interjection of your spirit and your body. Everything your spirit ever did, everything your body ever did is contained in a soul. Do you understand up to this point? <laughs> yes, like the black box of a plane. So, because you are a spirit, if any spirit comes around, your spirit can see it. If, if the, and just as you have senses in a physical, you have senses in a spirit, hearing, seeing, all of it, it's all present in a spirit, all. But just as there's something such as atrophy, you know what atrophy is in biology? Our students are confused. You see, when you, when you, when <laughs> When you have a certain part of your body and you don't use it for a long time, it begins to wither and it will, it, will, it, will, it will go away. So even scientists believe that the coccyx, the coccyx is somewhere around the, yeah, the tailbone. We don't have a tail because we don't use tails. We didn't use it, ah, so it fell off. But you know, that's, not a, that's a very weak explanation. When you have an accident and maybe you can't use your leg for some time or you can't use your arm for some time, the reason why physiotherapy is important is that if you don't use it, it will begin to shrivel and wither and it will become very, you see this one will be very small, this one will be very big. The reason why, all of us, you see that we have one arm a little bigger than the other. You're, if you're a right-handed person, your right hand is slightly bigger because you use that one more. You, that one is more developed. In the, so when you don't use a certain part of your body for a long time, it, it goes away because you don't use it. So in, when you don't use your eyes, you don't use your nose, you don't use your mouth, it goes away. In the same way, in the spirit, if you are not using your spiritual senses, so if, um, Hebrews 5, verse 12 says, for when for the time you are to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, we'd be the first principles of the oracles of God, and has become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. And we have come babes, babes are unskillful in the word, they drink milk, and it says that those go to 13. I'm on 13 now. Yes, for everyone that uses milk, skillful in the word, for it's a babe, 14. It says that, for strong meat belongs to them that are full age. Those who by reason have their senses exercised. The reason why they are strong, the reason why their senses are alive is because they've exercised, they've used it, they've used it, they've used it. So now they can use it, right? When you don't use your spiritual senses, they deaden, they weaken, and they die. They atrophy, right? 
So you're, because you are a spirit and you have spiritual senses, depending on how you use your spiritual senses, you are either very sharp or very dull. And if any spirit walks in, the spirit of wisdom, spirit of death, spirit of whatever, if it walks in, your spirit can sense it. But now, your body will be alerted that something has come to the place. And because your spirit and your body are polar and opposite, there has to be a junction, an intersection that will alert your body to get up and do some action. And so that is where the soul becomes important. So you see people, you see, sometimes you are in a service and you feel an overwhelming it's like a spirit has come in there and the, the spirit is flooding the soul with signals that something's around, something's around. Sometimes people begin screaming. Sometimes people begin falling down and rolling. It's because their soul is trying to alert their body that something has come. You understand? And the Bible says that so what are we talking about? We're talking about prayer without season. You know? that's, that's what that brought us here. So when success is around, Death is around. Knowledge is all the things you are looking for are spiritual, including the money that you are looking for. But when it comes, you see, this is the reason why you should listen to God. This is the reason why you should be in the spirit. Because when they come around like that, when they come around like that, your spirit can pick it up. Sometimes you are going to pick a car and the spirit of death is over the car. And your spirit wants to alert your body and say, no, no, no. But you see, your, all your spiritual senses have atrophied. You have not exercised them in a long time. So you just sheepishly go and enter and that's it. Sometimes, it's like that. Now, when your spirit is exercised, when your spirit has been exercised for a long time, it's not like that for you. So now, why does God say we should pray without ceasing? Because we are at the receiving end. So you will dream sometimes and you are dead. And you actually die. Because in the realm of the, the, realm of the spirit is faster than the physical realm. It fast. Things happen in the spirit before they, they actually happen. And so sometimes we see them. Why do, how do you think the prophetic operates? How are we able to see things that are about to happen? Because it happens there before it happens here. The Bible says the Lamb of God was slain from the foundations of the earth. Da, 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 da. But the manifestation came later. So for God to ensure that you are always in control. You see, he says that pray without ceasing because when you pray, what is happening is that you are enforcing the heavenly realm, the power in the heavenly realm, superimposing it on both the demonic and the earth realm. Do you, do you, do you understand? So in other words, what God is trying to say is, always be in control. Another way you can quote the scripture is always be in control. Always be in control. Always be in control. God doesn't want you to lack anything. God doesn't want you to be taken by surprise. One day Paul was on a boat and the boat was going to wreck. He told the people that look, this boat will not survive. It will, it will break. But don't worry. We will get to our destination safely. How did he know that? He was in the spirit. And he could tell everything. How could Jesus go boldly to the cross? Because he knew he would rise up again. There are certain dangers that are unnecessary for you. But there are certain risks that you should take. Because that is where your glory is. How do you tell the difference? How do you tell the difference? Being in the spirit all the time. Your prayer life has to change. Please be on your feet. 
So, don't make sure you, you, you don't miss next week and make sure you don't come alone. Because now we are going to get into how to be in the spirit, how to be inside the spirit. How to stay there. Because it says, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the mother. Not he who visits. You are visiting the secret place every now and then. You see, when you're about to, you know, come to church, you're listening to gospel and, you know, you're just, you know, getting yourself in the spirit. Anything that your worship is some way. Anything that your prayers are some way. He who dwells in the secret place. And the, the Bible says that he shall abide. And they said, that is your address. When we are looking for you, we find you in a secret place. And what is the secret place? The mind that God is around and it is him and I alone. You can be in a secret place in your kitchen. You can be in a secret place in your school. You can be in a secret place in the bus. You can be in a secret place even in church. Don't distract yourself with your phone. Don't distract yourself with all these other things. Stay in a secret place. Atmospheres are very important. Atmospheres. Don't listen to anything that doesn't promote the spirit. Certain gospel songs don't even promote the spirit. You have to be discerning. And what is at stake? Your whole life. Your whole life is at stake here. Your whole life is at stake here. Stay in control. Tell your neighbor, stay in control. Stay in control. How do you do it? Pray. You superimpose the will of the Father on the demonic and the earth. Such that his kingdom will come. And it's another thing we are going to look at. He says, so if you pray, pray in this manner. He didn't say repeat these words. He says, use this template. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. When the kingdom is coming, when you have made the kingdom come, you don't even have to ask. He'll give it to you. God is very particular about people who do his will. Because it's very difficult to find a man who is subjected to the will of God. Very extremely difficult. Look at your life and see whether you are subjected to the will of God. God has been shouting in your ears, evangelize to this guy. Look, one of the regrets that I have, God spoke to me to go and talk to a certain boy because he was having relationship issues with his girlfriend. Right? I didn't know just how serious it was. Today, I heard that it has become a police case because he beat the girl and raped her. Um, today's Wednesday on Monday and God spoke to me to talk to him last week last week Monday or last week hey, this is exactly a week I said oh I'm going to the lab oh after the lab oh maybe if I had just listened and gone to speak to him maybe his temper would have been down because he called me himself he picked the phone I don't know him from anywhere he took my number from somewhere he said I heard you know, you're a pastor or whatever. I want, to, I want to change. Can you please come and talk? That's, this was him. He said, I want to change. Can you please come and help me? And look at me. I was playing. And God said, go, go, go now, go now, go now. Postpone, postpone. I said, oh, today, tomorrow, today, tomorrow. I, I don't know. I may have messed up his life because rape is a very serious thing. It's a very serious thing. Look, you have to be sensitive to the spirit. And you have to be subjected to the will of God. It's a process. But as much as possible, try. When God says, move, move, don't delay. Because every second counts. Redeem the time. Lift your hands. Ask God, help me, help me. Help me to pray, help me to pray. We've come to draw. 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 The beginning where I was born.
place on time. 